Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Counterculturalist Podcast. My name is Isaiah. I'm joined today by Jackson and Robbie. Um, we're going to be talking about why we need to offend people as Christians. <laughs> yeah, man. I am really, really uh, excited to do this podcast. Uh, this subject is one that is definitely near and dear to my heart since I'm really good at offending people. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I know that, you know, over the course of time, like, this is more of a, a conversational podcast, I'd say. Yeah. We're not going to be doing, um, we obviously want to bring scripture into it in some cases and stuff like this, but this is a more conversational one. So, um, it's more of just kind of learning and growing together. So, but anyways, man, so when we talk about like offending people and coming at people with, you know, theological topics yeah. and, and worldview topics and political topics, it seems like one of like the biggest things that we were all just talking about in here, and you hear this in kind of from like a secular standpoint in our mm-hmm. world, you hear, okay, don't approach religion or politics, okay? How would you, how would you talk to someone that told you, hey, don't approach this subject while you're here mm. or while you're in this workplace or in this position right. in a situation where you're like, how would you approach somebody that, that was just... Just like, just point blank said, hey, look, man, like, I, I appreciate, like, who you are and everything, but right here, we don't approach these topics. Mm. So just keep it very bland, keep it very, like, just business-oriented. Right. How would you how would you handle that with somebody that said that to you? Well, I would say, and that was, you know, that was said to me just a couple of weeks ago when I got hired for my, my job. I work at a security company, and the guy was saying, you know, you're not allowed to talk about politics, and I advise that you never talk about religion with anyone on the job. And, you know, I didn't pipe up and say no, because I wanted to get the job, but I will talk about those things, like, with yeah. my coworkers. I'll talk about it if the opportunity arises. I've been heavily influenced by Doug Wilson's ministry. You'll definitely find that out as this podcast goes on. And, um, and their kind of motto is all of Christ for all of life. And that's the Christian, right? It's Christ fills all in all, the Bible tells us. And so... It's not like you can just separate Jesus from certain topics. You can't separate God's law from how you live your life every day. You can't pull Jesus out of it or else you're going to be missing the important piece, right? You're going to be, I would say, you're going to be failing to do your job as a Christian if you take Christ out of any context that you're in. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, you know, I think there's kind of two avenues you can go as a either a Christian or a proclaiming Christian, okay? And you see, like, us go in two different directions, either super legalistic or uh, super relationship-oriented. Sure. So I was talking to, actually, my sister about this the other night because, you know, there's people out there that are just like, hey, I'm all about relationship, man. It's all about a relationship. And then there's people out there that, no, you got to do this, this way, this way, this way, or you're not doing Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so... The one thing that I was talking about with her is I was like, you know, there's there's law and then there's relationship. And they're intended to be together and right. to work together. And so it's kind of the idea that, that, you know, you look at government and the church, right? So government and the church, they're supposed to kind of work together in a way that the church is here 
for our, first of all, to glorify God and to show us our morals and values and how to live as a person in community. But then from a government standpoint, what you have a right to do, what you don't have a right to do. And so in kind of like a similar way, we look at that with a lot of Christians and proclaiming Christians where they're like, okay, they don't mesh together the two. They don't understand how that works. So right. like, so how, so I guess like what I would go at with this is like, we need like a better understanding of how to approach a conversation with people mm. and how to say, Hey, look like to the legalist, like I feel you, man. Like, you are that you're calling sin sin, and that's great. But some stuff that you're saying sin is not sin, mm-hmm. and that that's heretical, and you don't need to do that. Same as to the person that's relationship oriented, you're totally missing out right. on so much of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. Just like with the other person, they're missing out on the gospel in this this matter. Yeah. They're missing out in another ma- in another way. So, what would you say are some of the ways that the person that is first legalistically missing out on in the gospel and, and relationally missing out on in the gospel. Yeah. Um, man, I was listening to something the other day. I don't remember exactly what it was, but this guy was talking about how, how God's law really does have to do with every area of our life. I think he was talking about homosexuality and how people will often say, you know, that's a political thing. Or no, that's a religious thing. Don't bring it into politics. But the fact of the matter is everything political God has spoken about. The reason that we have political laws, for example, governmental laws, all of those are like moral judgments, right? They're all moral decisions. So, you know, if the government says do not steal, that's modeled after what God says, right? Those are moral things. So you can't really separate those two. So I would say to the legalist, like, you're going to miss out on your opportunity to uh, to really like reach people. If you're just like, if you're just giving the words, but you're not like investing in people, like you're just going to miss out. You know, that's obvious. I think that the legalists are a lot more rare than the non-legalists than those who are more, you know, focused on just not hurting people's feelings and that kind of thing. That's definitely the normal Christian these days versus the person who is like too harsh and doesn't really care about people. I think that you're right with the relational Christian is more Mm -hmm. at least popular. And especially in like the, the really woke environment, it's way more popular to say, Hey, look, we're just going to be all about relationship, not about religion. And like when I hear that term, it bothers me a little bit because it's like, Okay, hold on. But doesn't James talk about how this is true religion? Mm-hmm. And doesn't it like and you think about it and it's like it's like okay, law is essential to our relationship with Christ. Right. Because without law, we have no um we we haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. Just as we haven't done anything good. Right. Just to, you know, so so how without law, how can we know that that Christ has done anything good? Right. Or done anything wrong. Yeah. So so when we talk about like justification and mm. big things like this, this all plays into yeah, absolutely. it, right? Because this is a big, big That's topic. Right. So when we talk about not approaching people in the name of kindness, we almost are buddy-buddy with the legalist in mm. a way because it's like, you know, they do the same thing, but they don't do it with love in their heart. Sure. They do it with an intent, with, with a prideful intention. Right. So right? it's empty, right? It's right. That, it's that First Corinthians 13 kind of clanging symbol kind right. of love, right? right. It's, it's that, that knowledge that, that puffs up, 
um, but but love edifies. That's the important thing. So we just have to have you know a balance of both. That's the Christian life is finding balance. Yeah. I don't think that we'll ever do it perfectly with any one individual. Yeah. When we share the gospel or when we interact with people. Yeah. But we should be constantly striving to find that balance of love and truth, right? And truth in love. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, most people are like seeker sensitive churches, right? Where they'll they'll preach Jesus with no hell. They'll preach um, they'll preach atonement with no no sin. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that robs the cross of its glory because without hell, there's no need for a savior. So you can't actually preach Jesus without talking about sin. You can't talk about atonement. You can't talk about salvation. You know, that, that's why I love Reformed theology so much because it puts us in our place and it puts God in his place. Yeah. And it puts us in a very low place, right? But we're not stuck in that low place. That's the beauty of the gospel is that um, that we're brought into the throne room of God by the grace of Jesus, that, that we're, you know, declaratively righteous because of what Jesus did for us. Yeah. And so, like, as long as we don't leave people in that low place, um, but do preach the gospel, you know, the way out is glorious. As long as we preach that with our message of, you know, repentance of sin, yeah. of the nature of sin and the destruction that it causes, then we're, you know, we're doing our job. Yeah. So when I think about what it looks like for a believer to bring law, but also grace. I think John four. So Jesus talking to the woman at the well, obviously Jesus knows what he's walking into. He knows this woman, you know, she's a serial adulterer yeah, or whatever the the circumstance is, but he doesn't walk up and just say, Hey, here's your sin. I'm Jesus. You need to repent right now. Mm. No, he sits down he has a conversation. He talks to this woman, and then he he allows it to progress to this point. But even when he reveals the fact that he knows her sin, right. it's not that he comes down and says, "Boom, this is it." No, like he he says, "Hey, no, that's you know, like you've had these many husbands or whatever." But at the end, it leaves her in a position where she says, "Man, I know." That you're the Messiah. Yeah, right. Right. There's so, a purpose to him calling her out. Right. Yeah. So in revealing her own sin, Jesus leaves her heart in a place that she understands that he is the son of God and she wants other people to know about that. Right. Yeah. And so like, I love how, you know, you talk, we, we talk about this, right. From like a a theological big picture perspective, but we're talking about it more from like, okay, the Bible said this and that's great that the, that we're using the Bible as our standard. Okay. But now using that same Bible as our standard, what do you say is the proper application and right. either one of you guys um, to walking into just our, our modern day churches? Like, and I'm not talking about, you know, your solid, you know, like, like, man, that was, this is a great church, super healthy church, you know, like, cause those are pretty far and few between yeah. if we're being honest, yeah. but I'm talking about our ones that, you know, like kind of, you know, your classic, really, really kind of cushy Southern Baptist, right. Or whatever, it's kind like of cultural churches. Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how is the application to putting law and relationship together, and how do you go about that in, in maybe your Bible studies or Sunday schools right. or 
or just preaching from that standpoint. And like, you know, none of us are pastors, so we don't necessarily know that perspective. But, you know, how do you do that from like just teaching other other men and other kids and stuff like that? Yeah, I would say uh, the number one thing is that you need to be a diligent Christian yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. You need to be in the Word. You need to be studying the Word. You need to know it well enough to teach others. Otherwise, you will come off as that legalist, right? right? You'll come off just as a, you know, a prideful person if you're if you're talking the talk and you're not walking the walk, right? Yeah. Um, which is why we need to be super diligent in knowing the law, knowing the implications. And the truth is, if you're in the Word a lot, it's going to be hard to come off as unloving because you're in the Word a lot. And it's yeah. what, you know, it's what will purify you. If you're not reading the Word and you're just, you know, getting knowledge from only other people, um, or if you're just thinking it through yourself, but you're not actually studying the Word of God, then you're going to kind of miss a lot of the kind of balance that, that the Word brings to your life yeah. on its own. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I would also say just that we need to be super courageous and bold because it's not easy. It's not easy to, to preach what the, what the Bible really says, right. uh, especially in that relational standpoint. Like I went and preached at a church in Indiana. I filled in for their pastor at one point and I preached on first John four and it was a very Calvinistic sermon because that's a super Calvinistic passage. I didn't yeah. say the word Calvin. I didn't say any of that, but I definitely talked about election and the foreknowledge of God and when I left, you know, these guys came up to me and they were talking about how they were like, you know, you really show Calvinism pretty well there. And they were Calvinistic dudes. But uh, I remember thinking, like, I just opened like a whole can of worms that they have to deal with now, you know, with that congregation. Yeah. Um, but if I'm a pastor there, I have to deal with that physically. I have to be the one to then, because it's not like I said anything wrong. It's just that if you're going to preach the truth, even if you do it in love, yeah, the person will not always be like the woman at the well who just says, oh, you know, you must be the Savior. Um, because you're not Jesus. Exactly. You're not you the person right. calling them right. to, to exactly. Christ, right? Exactly. And so we don't know when God will open the eyes of the people. Uh, or I should when, say, like, willing them to Christ. Right. We, we won't know when, when the people will... Uh, soften to the gospel, or even when Christians will soften right. to the truth of the Bible, like all of the truth of the Bible. So, like, you know, there's this, I don't remember who says it, but he says, like, it's one of the Puritans who says, when you preach the gospel, one of two things will happen. People will either get really mad or they'll get saved. Yeah. And those things might happen at any point. It might show up in any way. So if you go up to someone like Jesus did and you yeah. tell them of their sins, like Ray Comfort does, you're, you're probably not going to have someone who just says, okay, can you pray for me? Uh, you know, can you show me this Messiah? That might happen. Yeah. And that's a miracle when that does happen. And it, you know, it happens every day, but more often than not, you'll have someone who either gets mad or gets confused or just, you know, doesn't respond. And so you have to deal with the consequences of the truth that you preach. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, you yeah. have to be willing and able to deal with all of the conversations that come with preaching the truth. You can't just drop it on people and leave it there. Yeah, that's good. You brought up Ray Comfort, and I, that brought me back to a video I watched of his one time. And he kind of went into this and explained it a little bit. But um, he talks about how... Oh, I'm not sure if it was Ray Comfort or if it was Todd Frill. I'm mm-hmm. it. But um, what something happened where they were, they, yeah, I think it was Todd Frill because he was like, he was talking to some Mormon guys. Okay. And they were like, he was like, you know, like a lot of you are going to say, hey, you didn't even like, 
they you didn't get their prayer or didn't get them like responding right. or or didn't share the gospel in this way or something mm-hmm. like that. But you know, he was talking about it and he was like, you know, I did share the gospel with them. And he was like, I did, I did show them, or we did get into a, a, a gospel conversation or something like that. And like, he shared, he gave them a gospel track and, and they gave him, you know, whatever they were handing out that day. And, and, um, he read it and, or he said he would read it and if they would read his thing yeah. and everything like that. So like, and he's like, well, you didn't get them, you know, you didn't have that serious, like, you know, that scripted gospel card. It's sure. like, it's like, I think that's part of where we have to kind of turn a little bit of our legalism down or our law, not necessarily dilute our law part, mm-hmm. but say, hey, look, there is a point where a conversation has to be a conversation mm-hmm. and it has to be relationship oriented because you and that person matter. Right. And so you have to, you have to actually sit there and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you. And then I'm just going to walk right off. Like, like it's not like you need to have that one-on-one conversation with that person and really intentionally share the gospel mm-hmm. and, and be willing to pour your heart out before him because that's what Christ did while he was walking. Right. He, he dealt with people right here. If he wanted every single person in the universe to be saved right in one instant second, it could happen. Yeah. But he walked about this earth in order to show, right. I, I believe, in order to show an example mm-hmm. of how we should approach evangelism, right. how we should approach this stuff. And so, you know, I mean, and, and that is, that that's the beautiful part about God's creation is mm. that, is that God involves us right. in that, in that ability to be about his mission yeah, and be about his, you know, his gospel and right. what he says. And so, so even the fact that he would involve us in something like that, I think is incredible. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a really important aspect of the way that we evangelize, the way that we speak truth is discipleship. Um, Definitely. because not every, and I don't think it should be that every time that you evangelize someone, it's just a random person that you don't know in a mall. I think that that kind of, you know, street evangelism can be effective, it can be good, it can be faithful, but the number one way that you're going to be effective with preaching the gospels with the people that you're yeah. in direct contact with, and that's why you have to be willing to, um, and you have to be careful when preaching the truth, because that's someone that you have to see tomorrow, right? Yeah. That's someone that you're going to see at work tomorrow, that's someone that you're going to see on all the family vacations. Uh, you can't just do the whole, you know... Uh, the thing that Ray does where he goes through the law with yeah. them every time. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. just do that. It's a it's a conversation. It's a relationship. And that's how you're going to be the most effective is, you know, and, and that's where you have to find that balance because it's going gonna, it's gonna to change from person to person, from scenario yeah. to scenario. But, like, you know, if I'm talking to one of my liberal relatives, for example, I can't just be like, you know, I can't talk to them in the same way that Ray Comfort talks to a person on the side of the street. So I think that you can be incredibly effective with preaching the truth to your uh, to your unbelieving family members, right, to the unbeliever right, at work. Right. But it's not easy. And it takes, I would say that, you know, people are so scared of like street evangelism and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the easiest thing you could possibly do yeah. because you don't have to see that person tomorrow. I think right? it's about taking that relationship and then applying the law to right. it. And I think that's I think that's what people miss is that you know they're supposed to go together like we've been talking about and so you know with all that being said how do you respond to the person that is totally offended by everything you just told them 
Like, like that you told them that they are a messed up person and they are damned to hell. Mm. Like, you just preached the gospel and said, hey man, look, you are, you are in trouble. Like, I, I share this with you because I love you. Mm. And I wouldn't be doing what Christ called me to do and what told me to do. I wouldn't be following what I believe if I didn't share this with you. And so, like, how do you deal with that person that is, like, just totally offended by everything mm. you said and come back at you harshly? Like, what do you do? I think the first thing is, you know, that probably means you did something right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're exposing sin, people are going to be angry. Right. Yeah. Um, Being counterculture actually is like, you know, it what people. we're supposed to do, but though, because the gospel is totally counter to culture. Right. Exactly. You know? And so I think it would really vary situation to situation. I mean, if this is somebody on the street who you're trying to evangelize and they're like ready to punch you in the face, that one's probably done. It's probably yeah. done. It's, but the thing is, right. though, I mean, we see, though, there is. There are layers to the Lord working somebody's heart. So mm. if somebody's planting a seed, somebody's watering, and then right. like, the Lord's going to give growth. And that's right. what He says. So just be faithful where you are, you right? Know? And you have to trust that. Hey, just because I don't see an immediate response right now, I mean, the gospel has power, and maybe that doesn't show in this one second of a conversation, but in five years, you have no idea what that could look like. Exactly. Life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so for me, my biological father is an unbeliever. He hates God. And I know that there are a lot, I mean, there have been many times where we've sat down, we've had conversations and he has come, he's come out of that conversation hating everything I just said and it really hate me. And I would say the thing that would continue to bring him back, this is the Lord's grace to me and to, you know, my family, my wife, that he would just see something different in us to say, yeah. even though what Jackson yeah. is saying I hate. He looks a lot different than a lot than me, even when he was eighteen. Right. You know, yeah. and, and so I can look at him and say, "Hey, you know that truth that I just preached to you that you hate. That's the reason we have very different experiences at eighteen years old. Right. So it's not me that's appealing to him, but it's rather what the Lord has done in my heart that would draw him in, even mm-hmm. in the times where he he might hate me the most. Right. So our our life and our actions can be a testimony to people as well. Which is why it's important as the pastor, even as the layperson, to live out your theology, to to show people with your life how true it really is. And to also remember that even that can't save somebody, right? That only the Spirit can save somebody. So like you were saying, we don't know when those layers will you know, come to fruition, when God will choose to light, you know, light in the dark heart. And, and that's what's really hard because, you know... So, for example, my my dad's side of the family yeah. is, like, super broken. Um, there's so many divorces, just, you know, godless behavior, godless, uh, godless living, just no, you know, they're not saved people, most of them. And my dad has tried to be super faithful in preaching the gospel to them, but they're always pushing, pushing away, pushing back against it, uh, hating us, you know, hating my dad for it. And yeah. And that can be really hard, man, like to go to Christmas and just be like the outcast, you know, to go visit family and be like, you know, be the person that that everyone's looking down upon because of, you know, because you're preaching the truth. But that's, you know, that's the cost of the gospel. We need to remember that, you know, that's the whole countercultural thing is that we will offend people. 
but we're not trying, we're not doing it because we like offending people. We're not, you know, as much as we joke about that, yeah. we're not actually wanting to offend people. Yeah. If we could save people, if we could preach the truth with no offense, we would, but we can't. That's, yeah. you know, that's what the Bible says, yeah. right? It says that they hated Jesus. They're going to hate his followers. And the reason that churches are so big today and pastors are so loved is because those men aren't preaching the gospel. Because they're loved. They're not yeah. hated. Yeah. So if I see a really hated pastor, that's probably a man I want to follow. Yeah. Right? Not yeah. always, obviously, because there's other reasons to hate people. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, people are just enemies of God are not going to want to be friends with friends of God. Right? Yeah. So they're going to be our enemies as well. But that's where, again, that's where Reformed theology comes in, man. And we know that we don't save people. We know that it's the power of the cross power of the spirit alone that even saved us you know my parents had influence they planted this seed this person watered it but it was the spirit who saved me it was god who saved me and that's why we can have the most confidence in knowing as long as we make an effort to be faithful as much as we can wherever we can we're doing our job we don't have to save people we just have to preach the gospel and like you were saying earlier how glorious is it that we even get to be hated for the gospel? Yeah. That we get to take part in God's glorious right. plan for redemption. Right. On top of that, though, kind of building one off what you're saying, with Jesus and what he experienced on earth, like may we find encouragement mm. and like, comfort when we are hated by our closest friends and family for exactly. the sake of the gospel. I mean, it's a little different. I think about like the garden, like Jesus's closest friends, and when it gets a little tough, mm. they all run away. Right, everybody yeah. runs. Jesus cast out by his family, mm. like, and nobody wants anything to do with him. I mean, I've personally, I know people who have, but I'm personally never been spit on yeah. for preaching the gospel. Like Jesus, Jesus has. Like yeah. he was, he was beat and whipped and crucified. Mm. So Christian, in the moment of your despair and discomfort and persecution, think about your Savior who has endured. Much more. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. count it all joy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Count it all joy when they persecute you, when they hate you, when they revile you for the name of Christ. Yeah. So the important thing is just to make sure that you're being hated for the right reasons. I think you to know? go back to, like, the most, probably the most hurtful part of it, though, like, just to, like, explore this part of this conversation a little bit. When you, like, you look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Mm. And you look at the, just the fact that the closest people to him were just, like, kind of not in in that moment. You know, like, like, just, like, and you think about it, you know, like, what about the closest of your friends? Like, if the closest of your friends just, in some moments when you're just like, hey, I'm passionate about sharing the gospel and and getting this information and reading my Bible and and doing all these things the right way and stuff, and then they're not in it with you in the same way you are, at least, or in in a way... That's tough to deal with. Yeah, that's probably the hardest thing is, you know, even just thinking about my life and the very little persecution that I've been under for for preaching the truth or whatever. Yeah. Very little, but some. And just to see how, like, the most hard part is, like, when I do that, when I preach the truth, when I am convinced that I did it faithfully and someone pulls me aside and says, like, you need to repent for that. Like, yeah. you did the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, that, like, a brother or a sister, like, that hurts. Like, that's hard to see that the people who are supposed to be there supporting you aren't doing that. Which is yeah. why you need to, you know, one, I would say, surround yourself with people who are passionate for the truth like you. And remember that 
no one is going to be the perfect fellow soldier in Christ. And you can forgive those people for that. You can exhort them onto good works and you can be the person that, you know, learn from that. And next time that you see someone preaching the truth and it like rubs you the wrong way or whatever, you know, check yourself, make sure that you're not hating them like the world does and support them in, in preaching the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just to kind of, you know, finish off this, this conversation, this talk to come to a close, I would say that we need to encourage people to preach the truth boldly, to be active and boldly preaching the truth, to not be afraid of man, but to fear God, to not be timid with their faith. I think that's something that, you know, I, I struggle with a lot that every Christian will struggle yeah. with is this, this innate fear of man that's going to say, you know, I want to fear, fear man more than God. Um, and that's where, again, I would say you need to be in the word so diligently because that will put the fear of God in you in a healthy way, right? You'll, you'll see God as more important as a priority. You'll see his truth as more important than your relationships. And then you'll be willing to risk those relationships for the sake of the truth. Like Paul talks about in Romans, he says, you know, I wish myself to be accursed so that his fellow Israelites could be saved, even just some of them. That's how important the gospel was to him. And he wished not only himself to be, you know, cut off from those relationships, to be kicked out of his family. He didn't just wish those things on himself. He wished that he himself were cursed, like that he were the one who wasn't saved so that they could be saved. Like that's the kind of passion that he had for the truth. And, you know, I'm afraid that that my grandma won't put me in her will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we're afraid of really small things. The, the consequences that we have for telling the truth are really not that great. But we have to be ready and willing for them to be great, you know, for one day for us in America to be put in jail for speaking the truth, to get fired from our jobs. We have to be willing for those things to happen. We have to uh, be praying diligently for a balance in, uh, in speaking truth in love mm-hmm. and just asking God for wisdom, for the words to speak and for the opportunities to speak those words well. You know, to me, it really seems like it's about taking the idea of dying to ourselves daily mm-hmm. and then going the extra mile sure. with that. Right. You know, like it's about it's about literally that's that's the gospel right mm-hmm. there is is dying to my selfish desires and pursuing what Christ has said mm-hmm. and and by doing that and knowing that our culture is so counter to what we what we believe, what we preach, what we hold to, knowing all that stuff. It's about knowing that that's part of going that extra mile. Yeah. That's part of that's part of taking up your cross and following him. Yeah. That's that's what that's about. And so when we talk about this stuff, when we talk about being willing to be sacrificed before everybody else for the sake of the gospel, right. that's what we have to be ready and willing to do. Yeah. And that's difficult. Right. That's hard. But if you're a believer, if you're amongst his elect, his call, then, you know, at the end of the day, you know what the right decision is. And we're not always going to make the right decision, but we should be willing and able to, and be able to prepare ourselves daily to do that. Right. And And encourage one another to do that. Build one another up. Uh, Exhort one another to good works. You need the gathering of believers. You can't do it alone. Um, You're going to need support to fall back on. That's why God gives us the church. You know, as much as we say, like, you know, this is going to suck. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Um, you have brothers and sisters right. who will fight alongside right. you. God does not leave right. us alone. And ultimately, 
ultimately, that's the promise that Christ gives, right? That's the Great Commission. He says, go, be fruitful, baptizing yeah. the name, yeah. you know, making disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always. Yeah. That's his promise to us. That's the comfort that we can find when we wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to, I'm going to work right now, and I'm going to have to preach the gospel to this Catholic person. Yeah, um, and that's scary, but that's the promise that we have is that Christ is with us. Absolutely. Well, I think we've pretty much talked about and and said what we want to say about it. Um, if y'all want to pray us out, or I can pray out since uh, last time I had, I think I had you pray. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and uh, say a prayer, close out, and then we'll just wrap up. So, um, dear Lord, thank you for a opportunity just to get together with these guys and have a conversation about the way we should approach the world with your gospel. And God, help us to do that. Help us to be unashamed and truly be counterculture to this world and to be so sold out to you that there's no question about it from anyone around us. Um, Lord, thank you for an opportunity to, um, to just be here for people, but also to help us grow in ourselves and help us to learn and help that we take this conversation with us and uh, live it out. Uh, in your name, pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Counterculturalist Podcast. If you don't know who we are, you want to learn more from us, uh, you can go ahead and go over to www.counterculturalism.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Counterculturalist. Check out our other podcasts on the network, American Sojourners and the Grand Pappy Podcast. Go read some of what we write over at the Counterculturalist blog. Feel free to send in any questions, any disagreements. We would be happy to talk, uh, interact with us on social media, give us any uh, episode topics, anything that you'd like for us to talk about. And uh, if you share this episode around, we'd much appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening and God bless.